This is Tamarindo Podcast. I'm Brenda Gonzalez. And I'm Ana Sheila Victorino. This is the Latinx Podcast where we discuss politics, pop culture, and how to balance it all con calma. Welcome to the show. Tamarindo podcast listeners. I'm actually recording this on my birthday. This is Brenda. And if you want to celebrate today, go to tamarindopodcast.com and click support. There's so many ways you all can support this show and most of the ways are free. So this is our last episode before we take a quick break. We'll be back at the end of August and we hope that you enjoyed this episode with, with Anna Shayla and Brenda. That would be me catching up. And then we have a fantastic interview with DA George Gascon, who is running for district attorney in Los Angeles. You'll hear all about him in just a moment. All right. Hey, Anna Sheila. We are back. We're both in the closet recording our, our last episode of the coronavirus season. Although when we, no. when, we re- when we record again, we'll probably still be in the coronavirus. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh. <laughs> but uh, thank you all listeners for tuning in. We have a fantastic episode, which we'll dive into shortly. But we just want to let you know that Anna Sheila and I are going to take a short break. It's been fantastic. What what are some highlights of recording in the time of Corona for you, Anna Sheila? Seeing our resilience, you know, we just figure this shit out. We learn how to do remote. We've started using a new tool and, um, you know, like I'm really proud of us for just figuring it out and just trying new things. And I feel like we've grown a lot during this period as people and as a podcast, you know? Exactly. I didn't get any taller, but I definitely did grow. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been awesome to be able to adapt to the times. And oh, I got to be grateful for this time pushing us to be able to have remote guests. So we've had some awesome people. And in fact, we're going to close out this season with a bang. Like in terms of a guest, we're really excited because something that is has also been happening a lot all around us is that there's been a lot of attention to police reform. We had a fantastic episode around defunding the police. This is this in many ways is sort of a continuation of that conversation looking at Los Angeles specifically. So you all know we're based in Los Angeles, but we have listeners across the globe. We can actually say that. (laughs) Yeah, which is very cool. But we wanted to focus a little bit on this district attorney race in Los Angeles, the DA race here in LA, as you'll hear shortly in, in the interview why this is so important. I learned that 9% of all Latinos live in LA County. So if we are a Latinx podcast and you want to have influence in the impact of the lives of Latinos, you got to watch what's happening in LA. And some of you have heard of that, that expression, as California goes, so does the country. So we have an opportunity to lead in what happens when it comes to reimagining police. We have that opportunity in Los Angeles with this DA race. I know that people can feel really angry about what's going on. And Anashila, I know you like to talk about channeling anger into action. So here is an opportunity to channel that anger into action by getting involved in a very important race. So important. Yeah, you know, one thing I want to say about that is, is, you know, when I've thought about where I am in my anti-racism journey and my complicity in oppressive systems that continue to govern us, one of the things I've thought about is how can I get more involved in local elections? And one of the ones that I wasn't paying enough attention to, even though I've you know, said how much I care about reforming our criminal justice system, is I haven't been paying attention to the DA race ever. And you know what I didn't realize, and maybe you knew this, Brenda, but the, the primary, I guess the initial election for this DA race happened in March. And just by like a tiny hair, are we actually having a runoff? So Jackie Lacey, she almost met the 50%. And it had she gotten 50% of the vote, there would be no runoff and we would have no progressive candidate. 
and I had no idea. Like, I don't know if, if, if you were fully aware of this race, Brenda, but to me, this was news to me and it made me really kind of like wake up on how I can really start to get more involved in local elections. And the district attorney race is one of the most important ones that we have coming up. Well, I'll tell you my, what I did know about this race. I actually know the person that we're interviewing today, which is DA George Gascon. I know him because several years ago, I worked at Unidos, as you all know, I talk about it all the time, a Latino civil rights organization, but we were working on Prop 47, which was a local initiative, which you'll hear us talk about in the interview. But basically, all of the cops were against this initiative, except for George Gascon. He has this reputation of being the DA that wants to change policing, wants to reimagine policing. I know him from his time as a DA in San Francisco, and I know him because a lot of my progressive friends have uh, organized fundraisers for him locally in LA. I did have some fam familiarity with him, and this is just such a timely opportunity to get to hear from his perspective, because I think... It, th this time has made us really look at the whole system as problematic. And here's somebody that was within the system, right? Here's somebody that was a police officer in LA for many, many years agreeing with us, <laughs> agreeing that there needs to be changed. And he's all about accountability. So I don't want to give out too much because y'all are about to listen to that interview. So before we get more into that, why don't we take this opportunity of our last episode before we take a break to do some matracas, basuras, calmas. So which one do you have, Anishela? Which one do you want to start with? I got all of them, but I'm going to start with a matraca. <laughs> and okay. I'm actually going to give my matraca to TikTok. <laughs> so it, and it's funny because I initially told Brenda about how we should explore TikTok and she was initially reluctant and she's been going all in and I have not. <laughs> but recently, because my girlfriend actually loves it, I've been starting to get into it a little bit more. And I just, you know, I've found so much joy and creativity, even in the little amount of time that I've spent on it. And I think it is really provides a lot of joy given the heaviness of this period. So I think creativity is one of the best offerings that we have as humans on this earth and it's really amazing to see like what people are doing on that platform <laughs> that's great so th does that mean that if listeners follow us on instagram they might they might see an anna shayla tiktok premiere yes yes i have committed to doing this and i and i should set a goal i should set a goal because i keep saying this so let's keep me accountable that by the end of the, that <laughs> during our break i will release my first tiktok on damarindo's instagram Okay, follow us on the gram, Tamani the Podcast on Instagram. Okay, what's your basura? What about you, Brenda? Well, what do you want to start with? Let's let's flip it back to you. Okay, back to a matraca. I mean, I gotta say, I, I think I like the TikToks and I do get some joy from, from watching some of the creativity happening on there. I guess let's just give a matraca to trying new things, to, to being able to experiment with TikTok. I'm also doodling. I'm figuring out how to doodle. You know, try new things during the quarantine. I'll give oh, them a yes, Yeah, Brenda, now. you've been doing all the things. I'm like, what new skill are you going to come out with? <laughs> You're like an up and coming aspiring well, comedian. I, I just took a class. I don't know if I'm, I'm ready to premiere that yet. Yeah. Okay. What about a basura? What's what's going on a basura? A basura. You know what? I'm gonna put for y'all that have not heard yet. I'm gonna put Goya, the company Goya, in the basura, and I I, I want to call that the slap heard around the world. <laughs> for, so for y'all that have not heard yet, the CEO of Goya um, was recently at the White House. His name's Roberto Unanue. Let's know his name. <laughs> He said that we were blessed to have a president like Trump. 
And he proceeded to double down on this and say that he would, you know, like he would have said something similar if there was a different president in office. But that, I feel like that's fucking bullshit. Sorry for the language. But not only did you show up at the White House, but you said the word bless. And if y'all, the definition of bless is to be made holy or sacred. And that's never a word that I would use to call what our president has done. And and you, we can list off a bunch of things that he's done to our community. And I think we all know those. So maybe I won't even get into that. But like. Yeah, just the fact that he would use those words. And and I'm going to give an extended basura to all the Karens that came out of the word work, all of a sudden ready to buy Goya products. Because I, and let, me, let, me, let me share a quote from this woman. From I have never purchased your products, but I will now just because I hate how so many bullies are saying negative things about your company. So... Ugh. You know what, vieja? You're not even Goya is going to give some sazón to your terrible cooking. <laughs> well, I can say that I happily have boycotted Goya forever because I use North Suiza. <laughs> yes, girl. And also, I, I know that some people have, have been <laughs> people have been compla- have been like I guess sad about the fact that they won't be using their adobo, which apparently I've never used it. Have you ever used their adobo? No, I don't but, because but I you, think it's, <laughs> the other thing too is I think, you know, we're Mexican. So I think we, we don't, I, I have a feeling that Mexicans do not use the Goya products as much as yeah. other countries. Yeah. I, I haven't, we definitely have bought it when like, I was like, Oh, this is the only Latino brand that I'm seeing here. So I'm going to get it, you know, but like, yeah, it's also, it wasn't one of my commonly, most commonly used products. All yeah. right. So basura to Goya. Slam yes. dunk to that trash can. I'll just do your homework. I'm going to double down on, on the Goya basura. <laughs> oh, yes. So, I mean, that you can double down on that all day. All day. Okay. What is your calma? I've mentioned this before, but speaking Spanish has been a, a growing source of calma for me. I feel like it's an, an immediate way that I can always connect to my culture. And it's, and I found it very healing. I've mentioned this since my dad has passed and I always feel like I'm home when I speak Spanish and I moved around a lot. So I've never really felt like associated to an actual physical home. And so in Spanish, I've always felt home and it's, and that's been really helpful during this period. And so much so that I'm actually going to start facilitating like one hour classes for uh, Spanish sin pena. There is a, a Spanish language coaching program so I'm going to be teaching a class, a leading facilitating conversations where, you know, people that want to get more comfortable with their Spanish and start speaking without shame, sin pena, can practice discussing different topics. So we're actually going to be talking about a lot of relevant topics like racism, colonialism, identity issues. So I'm, I'm super excited about that, both to, you know, help other people be more comfortable with their Spanish, but also keep growing in my own Spanish journey. That's amazing. I applaud you because that takes a lot of courage to be able to talk about those topics generally and then to push yourself to do it in Spanish. That's awesome. So, so exciting to see you do that. For listeners, if you are listening, <laughs> duh, you're listening, Tamarindo has been wanting to do an episode in Spanish. So if that's something that you think would be cool, please let us know. Uh, we really, if y'all will respond to it, then we will be extra motivated to do it. So let us know if that's something that you're interested in us giving a try to do one episode in Spanish. And if so, what's the topic? What is one topic that you wish you could have your familia listen to that we've covered before? Or, or maybe a new thing. Let us know because I think that would be fantastic. I love so, that. Yeah, I want to hear from you. Oh, well, my, our listeners are my yes. calma, but <laughs> I would say, okay, let me give you another calma. This isn't a matraca to you, Ana Sheila. So I have quoted you many times recently as, as a resource for finding ways to relieve anxiety. So lately, as I've been feeling more anxious, like everyone else has on how we're continuing this quarantine, I have 
notice that being on my phone and the doom scrolling raises my anxiety levels. So instead of it being the first thing that I do every morning, which I started slipping back into that habit, I was remembering, okay, Anna Shayla has her routine. I'm going to give this a try. So I go get up. I look at the sunrise. I count 10 breaths. I write in my journal and then I look at my phone. So, I so love I, it. Oh my God, that makes me so happy. <laughs> I've done this for three days in a row. So, uh, so far, so good. I love it. Well, well, Brenda, I had been slipping on my waking up as early. And I know that that actually makes a, a big difference for me too. In my, in, in my routine, like going as, as best as it, as it can. And, and I know that you're such an early riser. So you've been inspiring me to get back on my early rising. So, you know, we're inspiring each other. Super Yay. cute. <laughs> Super cute. Nosotras somos nuestra alma. All right. Well, um, I, I'm going to miss recording episodes. We're going to take a short break, as we all said. Well, we'll be back in late August, or, or you never know. There might be a bonus here and there. We're taking una pequeña pausa. On that note, I mean, I think one of the reasons we're, we're taking this break to really think about, you know, how we want to come back, like what are the episodes that we want to do. And so we really, really, and, and, you know, we always say this, but you know, if you are a fan, we would love, love, love to hear from you. We want to know what y'all want, what you guys want to hear, what you want to see us do, not just on the, on the podcast, but if you follow us on our other platforms, you know, what events you would love to attend. Like we, we want all the feedback. Yes. In fact, speaking of events, thanks for mentioning that we do have an event coming up. So July 23rd, we're having our book club, Go to thamanithepodcast.com. You'll have all the information to register. It's totally free. July 23rd, go to our website, visit our website. We're going to, we have an event section. So we're going to keep doing more than the podcast as we always have. So check that out. All right. So I just want to tell our listeners who we're speaking to. I know we already talked a little bit about it, but let me give you his full bio here. So we're talking to District Attorney George Gascon, who is running for DA to modernize LA's criminal justice system. He's a former district attorney from the city and county of San Francisco and former assistant chief of the Los Angeles Police Department. But don't let that fool you. LA cops are backing his opponent. So this is the guy that the cops don't want. And you all got to think about that. So Gascon has earned a national reputation as a visionary in criminal justice reform. He's been honored by the Anti-Defamation League with their prestigious Civil Rights Award. And you might like this, Anna Sheila, with the Win With Justice WNBA All-Star Maya Moore's social action campaign presented him with the Impact Award. So isn't that cool? Basketball awards and beyond. So we're really excited to to kick off our interview with him shortly. But first, we're going to take a short break. Did y'all know Oprah Magazine recommends Tamarindo Podcast as one of the leading podcasts that discusses race and racism in America? I did know that, but maybe our listeners did it. And that is so cool. We were there with podcasts like Still Processing from the New York Times and NPR's Code Switch. But Tamarindo, unlike those two amazing podcasts, doesn't have a big media company to back us. <laughs> we're not even connected to a small media company. We are backed 100% by listeners like you. This is why it means so much to us when you take the time to write us a review on Apple Podcasts or recommend the podcast to a friend. It means so much to us. And we just wanted to share a recent review from Listener Manny from the Block that really just touched our hearts. Authentic fire and energy for la raza, he says. Ana Sheila and Brenda are super empowering and authentic, tackling important subjects affecting our Latinx communities. They are witty, thoughtful, and intelligent. Hell yeah. They speak from the heart and back up their views with facts. They are taking a stand for the beauty and power of our Latinx culture and people. A little bit of everything from politics, personal development, news, finance, business, and love. 
Def recommend this show. Hashtag fire. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. Thank you so much, Manny, for taking the time to write that review. And we hope all of you also join Manny and write a review at Tamarino Podcast today. So first off, thank you so much for coming to Tamarindo. How are you? I'm doing very well, Brenda. And yourself? Fantastic. Fantastic. It's um, July 3rd. So right before uh, a holiday, which is a different 4th of July than anybody else has ever experienced because of everything that's going on. But, you know, hanging in there. I'm so glad to have you on. I am a resident of Los Angeles and a lot of our listeners are residents of Los Angeles. And I think many folks are maybe just now starting to pay attention to what district attorneys do, especially with all the attention on justice reform as of late. So can you, for the listeners that are, are, are now interested in this race, what exactly does a district attorney do and why are you running? Yeah, you know, district attorney is actually one of the most powerful elected offices in the county structure. The district attorney does several things. Number one, the district attorney is the one that determines whether all the arrests the police made are going to be prosecuted or not. And what that means is that they're going to file charges. If they file charges, how much punishment or, or accountability they're going to look for. Uh, they're going to hold police accountable if they do the work wrong. Are they going to hold police accountable if police use excessive force? Uh, are they going to go after uh, environmental polluters? You know, are they going to provide the opportunity for people that are mentally ill to be diverted and go into public environment? Or are they going to put them in jail? Are they going to hold elected officials accountable if they are engaging corruption? Basically, the district attorney is this focal point. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline or anything that has to do with criminal law within a county is, is controlled, and they determine, you know, to a great extent, how well the rest of the system is going to work. Why am I doing this? Very quickly, I, I grew up right here. My family immigrated to Catahay in the late 1960s. I spent most of my life here, and while it's true that I was a district attorney in San Francisco for nearly nine years, I spent most of my life, professional life, as an LAPD officer. I spent three years in Mesa, Arizona, where I got involved in some pretty hefty fights with Joe Arpaio over immigration and wound up going to Congress to testify against him. And then I was asked to leave Mesa, Arizona, and I wound up going to San Francisco, where I was a chief of police first, and then I became the district attorney. And during my journey... I've always been very engaged, especially in the last 15 years or so, in looking for ways to reduce incarceration and strike a balance with public safety. Often some people refer to me as a, the godfather of progressive prosecutors because I develop a national reputation for the work that I've done. I announced that I was coming back home a couple of years ago. When I did, immediately I started getting calls for people that knew my work and asking if I would consider running in L.A. County. My family is here, my mother, my kids, my grandkids is home to me. And frankly, in looking at the way the work is done here, anywhere from the level of discrimination that goes on 
within the criminal justice system, the, the insensitivity to issues related to immigration by the district attorney's office, the death penalty, which I'm an opponent of, the way that people with mental health are treated and incarcerated, the way that our youth, and this now we're talking primarily Latino youth, end up being prosecuted as uh, adults. These are all things that really bother me, and that's the reason why I'm running. That's great. I really pre- appreciate you listing all of that because I think the, there is a lot of attention to accountability, and you've also described how you're part of Los Angeles or you're coming back home and also just some of the many things that I don't think, I mean, even I who considers myself to be someone that's somewhat aware had a full picture of the, all the different ways that the DA is involved in accountability. So I, um, I appreciate you sharing that with us and with our listeners. I also like that nickname. What a great nickname to be the Godfather of progressive um, <laughs> DA. It, it, that's fantastic. And in fact, that's how I, first knew about you. I actually used to work for NCLR, now called Unidos US. Yeah. And and we were champions, just as you were, of Prop 47, which has had the effect of uh, reducing barriers to employment, to housing, education, and in some cases, removing barriers to immigration adjustments. Right. And, and this is for folks that had felonies on their record. Felonies for things like petty theft or minor drug offenses by reducing those felonies into misdemeanors. And I think it has had a profound effect on in, on communities. I know that it's the it, these sort of policies are the step in the right direction to reduce sort of the, the heavy-handed drug policies of the 90s, which have damaged communities in many, many ways, and especially communities of color. So can you tell listeners why, why do you support measures like these? Yeah, you know, actually, Prop 47, I was the original architect of Prop 47, and then we brought in other groups on board. And when I became the district attorney in 2011, I had already been involved in decarceration movements around the country for several years. And I have evolved to a place where I recognize that the war on drugs was just not only destroying communities, but it really wasn't creating any more safety for our communities. I study how in Europe, especially in Portugal, approximately 23 years ago now, they decriminalized drug use and how not only did the drug use and addictions went down, but they reduce violence and how they medicalize drug use, understanding that abuse within those that use drugs in the community should be looked through sort of a a public health approach rather than a criminal justice approach. And then the rest of the European uh, Union following very quickly to the point where simple possession of drug use in most of the European continent is now decriminalized, de facto decriminalized. So I started to imagine why can't we start getting closer to that in California? And we tried to get it through legislation and we were unable to because police unions really fought that very aggressively in private prisons and, you know, the, the typical lobby that goes around reform. So we decided that we needed to go to the people. I have been involved in the reform of three strikes in 2012, two years earlier, So we basically went back to a lot of partners that we already had, uh, originally crafted a general idea, then shared it with others, and then we had co-authors, and then we brought in lawyers that specialize in writing legislation. And, and, And the goal behind Prop 47 was precisely to reduce the the footprint of our prison system and bring that money back into the communities for services. We knew the impact that incarceration had in black and brown communities. Certainly the immigration consequences were one that we recognized. So we wanted to make sure that we started to unwind that very harmful 
war on our people because it was really not war on <laughs> drugs. At the end of the day, really, it was war on black and brown people. And and that was the, the first step in the process that I've uh, already has started engaging and have continued. That's, that's all fantastic. Now, as you're describing this, I mean, I think you're describing very radical changes compared to the sentiment behind the laws that you've described that were you know, about the war on our people, right? And But we're in this very interesting moment where there's such great momentum, I think, and, and attention and urgency to make these transformations possible. How are you feeling in light of all the protests and all the attention and, and frankly, the attention to this race um, and your opponent? Are you hopeful? What What is your feeling of uh, this moment in time? Yeah, you know, I'm very hopeful. I, I really believe that every every generation has a historic moment. And I think this is a historic moment for our generation. I have seen before anger from, you know, the abuses, systemic racism and the criminal justice system reflected in the African-American community, the Latino community. But for the first time in my life, I'm actually seeing middle-class white America, you know, recognizing the systemic racism in the system and, and, and being shocked by it and wanting to be part of a solution. And I find that to be extremely hopeful. And I can tell you from a personal point, as somebody has been preaching this stuff for, you know, over a decade now, and now all of a sudden, just overnight, I'm having people calling me back, that were not calling me back before, uh, people reaching and saying, how can I be helpful, uh, is, is extremely invigorating for me, because this has been a passion for me for many, many years, and, you know, my own evolution, I mean, understanding I started in policing, and being part of the, the system, and evolving from the system to the point that I wanted to reform, and then get into a place where I don't believe that reform is proper anymore, that we really need to reimagine the system because the system actually doesn't need reformation. The system was designed to do what it's doing, right? I mean, we have to go back and think about the origins of American policing and then prosecutions and all that. And you have to go back to the days of slavery and understand that in many parts of this country, police were put together to, to you know, go, go get runaway slaves and bring them back to the slave owners. And then after the Civil War, it was how do we keep black people still being slave? And then, of course, you know, how do we deal with brown people and indigenous people? And then you got the whole war on, on our people or the war on drugs. It started about four decades ago. And it's the same cycle over and over again. So I've come to the conclusion that actually we have to reimagine. The system actually is doing what it was designed to do. is incarcerate people, keep people down, not necessarily about safety. And this is a very invigorating moment for me because I'm seeing so many other people that normally would not pay attention to this paying attention. We had an episode earlier where we talked a lot about this, about the argument of abolishing the police, etc. And I like that you've mentioned we have to reimagine the system because we we actually even even quoted Chicharito who says, Imaginémonos cosas chingonas, you know, like bien chingonas, no chingonas, pero bien chingonas. <laughs> pero bien chingonas, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you did mention that people are reaching out and they're and they're being helpful. So what are some of the ways that listeners can help? What we you know when is the election? Like what what is the things that yeah, they can do? And you know, this is an area where, you know, I'm so glad that we're talking because you know, the the problem that we often have in Latinos in this country, especially, is that we think our vote doesn't count, right? And I and I recently heard someone uh, say something that it really resonated with me, and I want to repeat it here because I think it really fits. You know, if your vote did not count, why do some people work so hard to keep you from voting? Think about it for a moment. All the things that are going around the country, you got a guy at the White House that wants to get rid of uh, 
you know, voting by mail. You got, you know, you got all these places that are creating as obstacles to keep black and brown people from voting. So think about it. Your vote does count. So the first thing is that you need to get engaged. You need to educate yourself. You need to vote in November. Obviously, we love volunteers. You know, we have now several hundred people that are volunteering on our community and our campaign and, you know, having your support will be incredible. And then, you know, any level of donations, whether you can donate $10, dollars $20, $100, $1,000, you know, our average contributions are for this quarter, I think they were $75. But, you know, we raise over $400,000, which is going to be necessary for this race. We're facing a massive amount of cash coming from the police unions against me. They put almost $2.2 million against me on the primaries. They're going to come up with 4 to $5 million in November. So money is going to be necessary. People power is going to be necessary. But above all, you have to show up and vote. You know, we got a guy in the White House that is trying to destroy our community and we have a problem in our county. And the only way that those things are going to go in a different direction is by going out there and, you know, expressing your your voice on the on the ballot box. Otherwise, all the demonstration and all the todas las cabronadas hablando por ahí, they don't mean anything if you don't show up and vote. I love this. Yes, exactly, exactly. And where can people donate? What's the place where they can uh, send whatever amount they can? Yeah, you know what? They can go into my website. It's georgegascon.org, and that will take them into a link. And there's a place there that you can uh, volunteer. You can offer to volunteer, put your contact information. You can donate. And like I said, listen, every dollar counts. If you can only donate $5, please do. Obviously, if you're wealthy or if you have the capacity to do the maximum $1,500, it matters too. Yes, georgegascon.org. You got it. And you can go in there. You also see all of our policy papers, the things that we plan to do. And by the way, if you don't, if if you have issues or, you know, abuela, la abuelita no habla bien el, el inglés, you can hit, hit the uh, the translating button and you can get it all in Espanol. It's so important for our community to engage primaries. We have very little Latino turned out. We need to make a difference in November. Definitely. And a couple more points that I want to make for, because our, our, our podcast is international and uh, we're talking about a very local race here in Los Angeles, but 9% of the nation's Latinos live in LA County. And the saying goes, as California goes, so does the nation. So if we can make some transformative changes in Los Angeles, that could be a model for other places. So even if you're not from LA, pay attention to this race, get involved and, um, and support progressive policies. This is, this is all fantastic. We're re- really excited to be able to feature you and to find ways that folks can help. My pleasure. And you know, one thing, Brenda, to add to the, to the, the national audience, the New York Times in November said that this was going to be the second most important race in the country after the presidential race because they recognize the impact that LA has on the state and how the state impacts the rest of the country. So it does have national implication. Wonderful. Okay, well, um, this was all ex- extremely helpful information. I hope it inspires people as it has inspired me to donate. And I will donate as soon as I'm off this, this uh, recording. I will do that. What we always do with all of our guests is uh, we have these rapid fire fun questions. The first one, if you had to, you could give a shout out to a person, place, thing, concept. What gets your matraca is what we call it. You know what? Our people that are there working, that, that are working in restaurants, that are working in supermarkets, obviously our healthcare workers. This is a front line and, you know, a big part of, you know, why we're suffering uh, such a big impact on the COVID. Obviously, once is poverty and a lack of health care, but the other ones are people actually cannot work from home. So I really want to thank those that are out there doing the stuff that the rest of us benefit from. Yes. Okay. So a big 
who are um, are essential workers out there risking their lives because that, that they have no other choice. What goes in la basura? What are you going to cancel? Get rid of? You're done with it? A la basura. El cabrón en la Casa Blanca. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 The one that wants to stop your vote. That's See, right. your vote matters. And so, That's right. All right. And then to counter that negative energy, how do you find your balance? What is the way that you stay connected, stay grounded? ¿Cómo, cómo encuentras tu calma? La familia. La familia es el, el centro de mi, de, mi, de mi tranquilidad. They're the ones that, that keep me balanced. Uh, I have incredible daughters, incredible wife, incredible grandkids, and that's what really keeps me centered. La familia. Wonderful. Well, you're surrounded by women, so I understand now. <laughs> I am. <laughs> two granddaughters, two daughters, a wife. <laughs> oh, I love it. Fantastic. Well, that's fantastic. I, I, I do I do have two boys, too, by the way. I don't want to exclude the boys. <laughs> <laughs> you're like my daughters. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have those, those sons, and, too. <laughs> and, you know, my mom was still, unfortunately, doing very poorly, but but, but very, very strong women. Well, thank you so much. I'm sending um, healing vibes to your, to your mom, and, and thank you. I hope everybody that was hearing this gets involved in your race. We will be monitoring, and the, the, the nation's watching. So. Gracias, Randa. Gracias. Hasta luego. Bye-bye. Bye. Tamarindo Podcast is independently produced by Ana Sheila Victorino and Brenda Gonzalez. Jeff DeVoe provides original music and sound engineering, and Michelle Andrade provides editing and production support. Follow us on Instagram at Tamarindo Podcast and at Twitter at Tamarindo Cast. And if you like the show, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com. So at the count of three, both of us are just going to go, ah, okay. Okay. <laughs> One, two, three. Ah, ah! Okay. okay. We got to do it at the exact same time. Exact same it's time. Okay. Yes. It's got to sync. All right. You, okay, you shared it earlier. I feel like. Anyway. <laughs> I said <laughs> one, two, three. Okay. Okay. okay One, yeah. two, three. Ah! Ah! ah. Okay. We're still a little after me. <laughs> so I was still after me. Yeah, but maybe it's technology. I would let me do it. Okay. Ready? Okay. One, One, two, okay. You're counting? That's what you meant? I'm counting. I'm going to count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to count. One, two, three. Ah! Are you ready to turn your best ideas into a thriving online business? Introducing Shopify, your no excuses business partner. You might not realize, but our podcast, More Than Mammies, it's a business. And we started it, of course, to talk about maternity, not to become an e-commerce expert. So yeah, we needed some help selling our merch and getting our store up and running. Another sale. Shopify is a commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. No matter if you are a garage entrepreneur or a big business, Shopify is the only tool you need to start and grow your business without the struggle. With Shopify single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere, giving you the insights you need wherever you are. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash sonoro or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash sonoro to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash sonoro.